Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breadcrumbs. Today, I'm joined by Brian BB King, pen tester with Black Hills InfoSec. Brian, how's it going? It's going great, Tom. How you been? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I always struggle with these introductions, not because I'm a bad introducer. I think I'm a great introducer, but I always struggle with how how much information do I give about the guest? We are an OSINT-focused podcast after all. If I told them all about you, I'm really just facilitating lazy investigators. <laughs> right. You know, it, there's there's probably one kind of guest who needs no introduction because you know everything about them already because they're famous for something. And so you're wasting your time introducing that person. And then there's the other person who nobody knows. So you would need to introduce them. But really, people are here to hear what they have to say, not who they are. So I, I, I feel for you. I understand it's, it's got to be difficult to get that, to, to nail that just right. I'm glad somebody sympathizes with a podcast host. We don't get a lot of sympathy out there in the community. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no, today uh, you and I are going to spend some time talking about a topic I find fascinating and you find for a living. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about reporting. I, I love that. I love that reporting. It's it's such an overlooked topic. I think everybody, everybody who does pen testing like I do and the OSIN investigations that that you do, everybody writes reports, and no one talks about how to do that better. All we always focus on the tools and the techniques and the cool new stuff, and we just kind of brush over reporting like it just happens magically. But it's worth time looking at. It's worth time looking at and and spending time trying to get better at. I think I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, me too, and. I guess I'll talk about my first introduction to InfoSec reporting and I, I guess go through how, how well it actually worked out for me. Um, my introduction to InfoSec reporting actually came in the form of the social engineering capture the flag at DEF CON 27. Yeah, 27. Um, I got to compete in the SECTF. It was super cool. And I'd never written a report in my life. And for people that aren't familiar with SECTF, that's like half the challenge is your initial OSINT investigation and a report detailing your findings of your target company. Then the second half is going live and actually engaging that company in some social engineering. So uh, that was not a well done report. And spoiler alert, I didn't finish very well in the competition, <laughs> but uh, like ever since that exposure, I've been like, oh my God, like there's actually... You know, there's there's a there's a structure to communicating this information. You know, you have to be able to clearly explain what you found. Um, from there, I got involved with Trace Labs, which was spoiler alert, even more reporting. Um, <laughs> so I feel like my my reporting game has gotten better. Um, but I'm always willing to talk about reporting and talk about the communication piece of our respective industries. Yeah, I, I think you you jumped in in the deep end of reporting there to start with social engineering. That's one of the hardest things to report. Because uh, for me, one of the things that makes reporting work for me is reporting as I'm doing the work. I'm, I'm actually typing out the narrative and I'm taking screenshots and putting them in the report as I go. And when you're doing social engineering, you cannot do that. If you're on the phone with somebody, you cannot be distracted with trying to keep notes of what you're doing. So it's always in um, a memory exercise to rewrite what you did and what you remember. And that's, that is hard. So, so good on you for diving right in. <laughs> I think maybe a good place to start is what is reporting? 
or, you know, and it's going to be different for the different industries, but just talk through at a really high level, like what is reporting and ultimately what is the point of reporting? Like what's your take on that? Wow. Uh, what is reporting? R reporting is communicating. Uh, and it's what is what are you communicating? You're, you're communicating what you thought was important about the exercise that you just went through as the expert in whatever topic you're 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 exploring. So if you're penetration testing, you're the you're the security expert. If you're doing social social engineering, you're the the social engineer. And it's what did that situation look like to you from that perspective? Because the people hiring you don't have that same perspective. They, they've got a different view of the same area and they hired you to show them what it looks like from your perspective, to open their eyes to things that might need to get fixed, to maybe things that they're doing very well already. Reporting in the end is the thing that you do. The, the work that you do to produce the report is where we tend to focus. And that's where we think about uh, a pen tester does pen testing, right? They don't write reports. Uh, an OSIN investigator does investigations. But when the pen test is over or when the investigation is over, all you have to show for it is the report. So everything you're doing needs to feed into that report because that's the only, that's the product. That's the thing that lives on after the test is over. It's the only thing that has any substance to it at the end. So, so what is reporting? Reporting is the point. Reporting is why we do what we do. Yeah. And I feel like that might be the dirty little secret of a lot of industries that have like maybe like a sexier veneer, um, like pen testing is really cool on television Oh yeah, and in films. And even in real life, it seems like a lot of fun, but you know, you'd never see the hours of reporting these people have to do to communicate their findings. In my opinion, what you did or what you discovered over the course of a pen test or an OSIT investigation is only as valuable as you can explain it to somebody else. So in the context of an OSIT investigation, the information you found is worthless if you can't clearly communicate what it is and why it's important to some third party, we'll just say law enforcement. Exactly. That's right. That, that leads to, to another point to keep in mind while you're doing the report is it's easy to forget uh, while you're reporting, you know, you're working at your own desk, you don't have people with you, you're not actually communicating with people real time, you're writing stuff down to communicate later. It, it's easy to forget who's going to read that and what they're going to do with it. It's easy to just fall into documenting what you did and what you saw and, um, and not being explicit about your own assumptions and background knowledge that you bring to the test. So keeping in mind who your audience is and what they're going to use that report for makes it a lot easier to do what you just described, to explain things clearly. Well, what does clearly mean? It means different things to different audiences. If somebody has the same skills and the same knowledge that you have, your report might be shorter. It might be a little bit more brief. You might not explain things in detail. You might just mention the name of a tool that you're using and the reader's going to understand what you're doing just because they know that tool. But generally the people who are paying for your reports don't know the tools that you use. That's why they're hiring you. You're the one who knows that. So you have to take a step back and explain to them why you're seeing, why you're doing what you're doing, what's important about what you're seeing. And you got to do that in a way that respects the reader also. They're, it's easy to fall into kind of talking down to them sometimes because, oh, they don't understand this. Well, maybe they don't understand the technical details, but they're smart people. The, the, you got to assume that your reader is, is, is smart and motivated and interested in, in a good result. So you got to balance that 
explain enough that they can follow you, not so much that they feel like you're talking down to them, not so little that they have to know everything you know to make anything out of the report. Uh, understanding your audience, having taking some time when you sit down to think about who's going to read this, what are they going to do with it, what do I need to explain, how can I present that information, pays pays dividends. It it, it makes it easier in the long run when you do that routinely because you develop habits and and you know standard ways of explaining things that uh, that work over time, and then it becomes easier. Yeah, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, at least according to my expertly crafted notes, but you hit on something that's worth expanding on right now. And that's, you're going to get better at it by doing it. No one ever got better at report writing by not writing reports. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would encourage anybody who's interested in OSINT and pen testing, do whatever you can to get better at clearly communicating ideas to strangers. Um, that can look like blog posts that can look like answering questions on Reddit. What, what are some of your takes on how to get better at report writing? That is, that is it. You hit on it is, is do it, practice, write reports and get feedback on your reports. Uh, if, if for anybody who is, who is new to the field or, you know, finishing up college or maybe in high school folks at, at, in that area, one of your requirements for general education requirements for, for a, a degree, a bachelor's degree, a high school graduation is some sort of a writing course, an English course, a technical writing course. And in my experience, when I was in college, um, those were often treated as just, you know, check the box. Just, I have to take this class because it's a graduation requirement, but it's not in my major. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to do the minimum and get through. Don't do that. If you have an opportunity to take a technical writing class, take the class and squeeze as much out of it as you can. You'll never get that opportunity again in the professional world. There, there's never time to focus on just writing as writing. It's always in service of another goal. So you have an opportunity there if you have a class to practice. So that, that's my, 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 my plug for the, the coming generation to help us fill the skills gap we keep hearing about. Practice your writing in school while you can. For, for the rest of us, uh, write whenever you can. Write, um, I always suggest that people write, start a blog. And, and make an effort not to care if anyone reads your blog. Write things down, send them, write, make a post, finish it. That, that's a key thing is to finish it, decide when you're done and, and, and post it because finishing is hard. You're never finished. You always just run out of time, I think. Um, get something out there, get it written, get some feedback on that. Ask for critiques from people uh, who are doing similar work and also maybe from people who, who aren't, people who you have friends who are smart in different industries, ask them to read your report and see if they can make sense out of it. If they get to points where, where you've lost them, those are places where you might lose an executive. You might lose uh, somebody, a system administrator and not a software developer, depending on who's reading your report. And the key to me that I've found for getting good feedback and processing the feedback well is, is the phrasing you use when you ask for that feedback and how you think about it for yourself. So, so don't say, would you critique me? Say, would you critique my report? Have a little distance between yourself as a human and the work output that you just created. It's easier then to accept criticism because it's not about you as a person, and, it, and, it, and it's not, even if you don't ask for it that way, <laughs> that's not what it is. It's the report. Everybody has room for improvement. Even the, the best writers, I, I can't imagine having to write a book. Can you imagine writing a book and publishing a book, and then you read it again later? How, how are you ever satisfied? 
with, oh, that, you know, that's, there's always got to be something in published books that drives the author crazy. Um, maybe they just don't read them. <laughs> but that separation between your, your work output and you as, as a person, you yourself is important to keep. It's easy to, to take that the wrong way and to take it personally and, and to either, you know, get, um, what's the word, not despondent, but to be, to be discouraged by negative feedback, if you have a lot of corrections or a lot of things didn't come across well, it's easier to process that if you say, oh, you know what, I'm trying to get better. That's what I'm asking for. And that is what you're asking for. So any feedback you can get on any completed writing thing that is at all close to what you're trying to actually write about, whether it's investigations or pen tests, uh, do it, write them, finish them, get some feedback and, and, and process that feedback humbly. I think asking for feedback is probably easier than receiving feedback. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. Um, but if you're able to, like, like you said, like create some distance between yourself and the work, that feedback can be easier to receive. I would also encourage people back to like practice by writing a blog. And that doesn't have to be a blog anyone's ever going to see. <laughs> you can just write just like these. These can be blog posts in Microsoft Word, in Obsidian, in standard notes. And I would say don't be afraid to talk about something somebody else has already explained. Um, oh, absolutely. And, yeah. So, yes. you know, great example, um, not to, you know, belittle the work that Brian does at Black Hills, but I suspect he finds a lot of the same vulnerabilities somebody else would have found. Somebody else has already found somewhere else. It's probably fairly unusual to come across and find something brand new. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to explain it differently than I would, than somebody else at Black Hills would. So don't worry about being original. Worry about communicating things clearly. Yes. And I think if you focus on writing as writing, it's easier to do that. Because if, if, you, if all you're doing is practicing writing, then it's easier to say, you know what, somebody else wrote it, so who cares? But if you or, or cover the similar topic, but if you're trying to like get an audience or if you're trying to impress people, um, that's when that's when where are you going to find the topic? Because anything you're interested in, somebody else has already written something about it. So if you're trying to impress everybody with all your knowledge on all this stuff, that's that's a it's kind of a losing game. There's there's always somebody who's gotten there before you who who written who wrote something similar, maybe wrote it better. Uh, the, the the point is to 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 do it yourself and to have that experience the more experience you get at it, the more comfortable you're really going to be. And you will develop shortcuts um, and, uh, and standard ways of saying certain things that you can use over and over again. Uh, one thing we have at, uh, at, at Black Hills InfoSec is we have a, um, a database of findings. And uh, so a, a finding is a, a vulnerability or, or a problem that we want to call attention to in the, in the pen test report. And those are all written up generically so that we can paste them into any report and then customize it for that customer. So we don't have to rewrite everything every single time. Uh, the, the key there is to write it generically first and then customize for the customer rather than the other way around. Because if you write it for a customer and then try to make it generic, it's, it's easy to miss things and then accidentally have one customer's information in another customer's report. And that is a very, very bad thing. So, so have your database of, uh, of, of standard phrases, standard um, findings that you find, uh, but write it generically first and then customize afterwards in your reports as you go. Yes. And reporting is going to look different everywhere, whether it's an OSINT report, a pen test report, 
a police report, um, like reporting is not standard. It's it's universal, but there is no standard way of doing it like you would find, say, in academic writing. There's a standard way to write a research paper, for example. Um, <clears throat> that doesn't exist in the reporting that we're talking about. So I would urge people not to get too hung up on like, oh, you know, like, are there any good like style guides or are, are there any good templates? There are um, there are some out there, but it might not be applicable to the employer you're trying to get a job with or even at your current employer or just what you're trying to do in your free time. I would instead encourage people to focus on kind of the fundamentals of communication um, that Brian and I are going to try to to go through based off our respective experiences. Um, he's already hit on some big ones. Know your audience. I would also say start like go into the report understanding what you are trying to communicate. What I mean by that is, you know, when 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 we're writing an OSINT report, I are like I already know the point I'm trying to get across. You know, I don't have all the facts yet. That's the point of doing a report, but I already have, I'm, you know, I'm trying to explain this social media footprint to a total stranger. And then I keep that in mind throughout the entire report writing process. Brian, do you, some, do, you do something similar with a pen test report? We do. We absolutely do. We we do have a template that uh, that we created internally. We actually actually had a designer help us uh, come up with a, a graphic designer come up with a template that looks nice and is easy to use. And uh, we use we use some of the features in Microsoft Word. We write in Word because that's what's out there. Uh, so using styles and using um, not just you know straight formatting bold and italics and hitting return three times to get an extra extra white space. Having those. Uh, embedded in styles in the report helps you not have to worry about that as you go. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about what is what am I trying to get across here? What is my role in this exercise? I'm, I'm on a pen test report. I'm the security expert, um, which which doesn't mean I know everything. It just means that of all the people on the project, I'm the one whose job it is to know as much as possible about security. Um, and an OSINT investigator is going to be similar. Your job is to, to find information that's out there, make links between things. And when you describe what you've found, you want to make sure you're sticking with facts. Uh, you, you're, the report should uh, contain mostly facts. It should contain some of your opinion as well as an expert. But you need to be clear on when something is a fact and when something is your opinion or your interpretation of the facts. All of those things are valuable, but they're all very different. You want to make sure that the reader of the report is able to tell where the facts end and where your opinion begins so that if they disagree, if they have facts that you don't know about, which they always do, they know their environment better than you do. Uh, if it's an OSIN investigation, the, the law enforcement knows things they can't tell you or they haven't told you. Give them an opportunity to have a reasonable, meaningful disagreement. Uh, share some facts and, and allow them to have their own conclusion. Share yours, absolutely. But back it up and be clear why you think that is the case so that your reader, when new information comes in later, perhaps, can adjust the um, their reaction to that based on the new information and the totality of everything now that we know new stuff. From talks you've previously given, the thing that jumped out to me as maybe the most valuable, just from a practical reporting point of view, that I also think is fairly universal, is document as you go, 
report as you go, like just work as you go. Because if you take a bunch of screenshots at the end of the week, you then have to try to make sense of those screenshots. If you are just taking mental notes or just jotting a few things down on your notebook, like, oh, you know, SQL injection, like it, how, what's that going to mean in six days when you actually write this report? Right. Um, right. So, um, would you care to maybe elaborate on that from a pen test point of view? And then I'll jump in from the OSINT point of view. Yeah. Yeah. For, um, report as you go is what we call it at, at BHIS. And it's, we have, we have only a couple hard and fast rules about how everybody has to do things at, at BHIS. The, a lot of our value is to the different perspectives people bring to the tests, but report as you go is a, a bright line that must happen. And, and that's the reason is because if, if you find something on Monday and don't write about it until Wednesday, you're going to write about it wrong. You're going to forget things. Um, if you wait until the end of the test, you may find yourself writing up a situation and you don't have the screenshots you need to, to illustrate that situation. And maybe you don't have access to the environment anymore. Uh, maybe you do have access to the environment, but your testing window has closed. So if you go back in there and try to re-exploit something, you've just violated the rules of engagement and actually, you know, you don't have permission anymore. So by doing it as you go, you save yourself a ton of trouble you get to the end of your testing window and the report is 80% complete. You still have to do some touch-ups at the end and some summaries and that kind of stuff. You'll never be finished at the exact moment you finish your last um, test activity. But doing it as you go keeps it coherent. It shows, it gives you an opportunity to show the reader why you took the steps that you took. What was it that got your attention that made you, you know, log into this machine next or, or try to use this protocol on the environment next? What was it that made you think that might be a profitable course of action? And describing that to them helps them to learn why you're doing what you're doing. It helps them to process the results. It's a uh, the, the report, you can think of it as a teaching tool as well, right? The people who are reading it are interested in the environment. They're interested in the topic or they wouldn't have asked for it. And here's an opportunity for you to share some of what you know and help them to get better and help them to, um, to know better how to interpret what's in that report, uh, how to interpret similar situations they might hear of in the news later or from colleagues or different organizations having similar issues. Uh, you, you're empowering people to, to make good decisions and to um, to, to, to synthesize lots of different information in a way that they can then take some action on it. Yes. And from an OSINT reporting point of view, it's just as important to document as you go, report as you go, note as you go, because most OSINT investigations are going to have a very volatile or ephemeral component to them in the form of, say, social media. You might find a post, if you don't screenshot that post immediately and take notes on that post immediately, it could be gone in 10 minutes. Um, comments might be removed. Like things, it's, it's a constantly shifting landscape um, that if you don't like document that stuff right there in the moment, as well as a, you know, a way that's, a way that's gonna make sense to you later on how it all fits into your investigation, it's gonna be tough to backtrack. The other thing that I think makes OSINT reporting difficult is that so much of OSINT revolves around pivoting from this profile to this profile to that profile, just following those breadcrumbs, making those connections and those jumps. 
a lot of those pivots only go one way. So, <laughs> right. um, and what I mean by that is you could find yourself three hours in on some Instagram profile and be like, crap, how'd I get here? Right. Like, how did this, and how this, did I... <laughs> um, depending on, you know, your browser's back button, um, it might not be obvious from point C to get back to point A. Absolutely. We, we have that in, in pen testing also. If you're, you're, you know, barreling through an environment, you might end up five or six hosts down the line where you find a new interesting thing to talk about. And it's, wait a second, how did I get to this one again? We, we've actually had, um, you talk about uh, OSINT and, and, and social media things changing as they go, things getting deleted, accounts getting taken private, things like that. Sometimes on pen tests, we'll have, we'll have customers every once in a while uh, fixing things as we go, like they're watching us because they know that we're, that we're there. And so maybe we trigger some alert on some, some intrusion detection thing and that clues them into there's a vulnerability there and they fix it before we can finish the report. So if you didn't get the screenshots, you didn't write it down, you don't, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And it's, and you're giving an incomplete picture then of all the things that you saw. So document as you go. Um, it's going to make everything so much easier later especially if you're working in an environment that is ever changing like social media or a, you know, corporate infrastructure. Now there are some tools that can help with that. Uh, there, there are some tools that, that can help you. People ask about all the time about tools. So what do you use for reporting for tools or for, uh, for, um, well, for reporting, because talking about the actual pen testing tools is something no one has trouble doing. Um, so, so how do you keep track of this thing? There are things you can do in, in your terminal. Uh, if you're doing things on a, a command line, you can have your, your, um, your, your history is there. You can set up your history to be log all the commands you type with a timestamp next to them. Uh, you can use tools like um, GNU screen can have a log of your entire uh, shell history. So not just the commands you type, but also the output of those things. Those things can be very helpful to, to recreate uh, or to, to remind yourself how you got from place to place. Um, what else? I think people, we used to do uh, packet captures. People would, you know, capture all the network traffic leaving your testing system uh, during the whole course of the pen test. And uh, that's probably less useful now that everything's encrypted, but, um, but there are things you can do to do that. I know there are some uh, OSINT investigation tools that also help you facilitate that, help you collect information as you go. Um, but that's not the report. That's, that's supporting data. That those are things that can help you with the report a lot. But those things themselves, it's important to, to accept that those are not the report. That's information that you use to create the report. Yeah, some OSINT tools that come to mind. Um, Hunchly is a good way to stay organized. Um, virtual machines are a good way to stay organized. Um, so that way, whatever you're investigating doesn't get mingled in with your host system. Um, so VMs are a good way to stay safe, but also just to keep, especially if you're running more than one investigation at a time, just have a dedicated VM per investigation. And that way, none of your evidence is kind of cross-pollinating or you, you drop something in the wrong folder, um, forget where you put something. It's all right there in a little self-contained box. So that's yes, kind of my take yes. on the OSINT tools or techniques. Um, and it's going to look different for everybody. You know, it's, I guess it's easy for, for me to say, oh, you know, it is right as you go or report as you go. Well, you know, that, especially in the context of an OSINT investigation, that might look different for everybody. So I might challenge people to just find a system that works for them, um, especially if you're just doing it, you know, on, on the side, just as a volunteer or just because it's something that you enjoy. If you're in a more structured environment, you know, like you do this for your job, 
it's probably a bit more, okay, this is the template. I'm just going to fill out things in the template as I go. Right. And I think, I think in most, certainly in pen tests and, and certainly in investigations, you're not going to have a complete template where you just fill in the blanks and then you're done. Everything goes, you know, you, you might start in the first three steps you can predict, but then after that, it depends on what you found, where you go next. And, and it is difficult. Uh, one of the objections people have to report as you go is, well, I need to spend my time focusing on the work part, not the reporting part, because I, I can't stop every three seconds and type into my report, the command that I just typed on the command line. And that's true. Uh, it gets easier as you do it, as you practice, but there are also, uh, there are features in, in Word. I talk about Word because that's what we use and people say, oh, Word's terrible. And I agree, Word is, is the worst thing out there except for everything else that you could maybe do a report in. Um, it's, it's true. Is that Winston Churchill, I think, said that about democracy or something? It's the worst except for all the others. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things, a lot of things I don't like about Microsoft Word, but there are a lot of things that, that I do like about it. Um, a couple of things you can use to make this easier for you and less distracting from the task at hand is you can use um, autocorrect. You know, in, in Microsoft Word, there's a feature called autocorrect that fixes your typos for you. Like you, know, you type T-E-H and it comes out as the. Uh, you can abuse that. You can have your own autocorrect entries and they don't have to be single words. So I have a whole collection of autocorrect entries that I use that I type in an abbreviation and I get an entire paragraph out. So I use that for when I find an issue that I see frequently, or when I'm about to start uh, down a path that I often take, I'll type in my abbreviation and Word fills in all the rest of it for me um, in the completed language, exactly how I want it to show up for that customer. Big time saver lets me stay focused on the technical side of the work and not get too distracted with the communicating part. Uh, you can also use quick parts. There's a, a thing called quick parts. Quick parts um, in, the, in the Mac version, it's called auto text. Autocorrect and auto text are different things, um, but they are, that lets you use bigger snippets and formatting in a way that the the uh, autocorrect uh, you bump up into some limitations there. So look at the tools that you're using to create your reports. Uh, if it's Microsoft Word, um, I've got a few tips. Uh, the, a video I did, a uh, Hack for Show report for Doe Part Two, I did a few months ago at at BHIS. Uh, that ends with some tips and some uh, live showing you how to do, use some of these features in Word. But whatever you're using, there's some feature there that makes writing easier. And any, any software whose purpose is to write something, there are going to be features that make writing easier. So spend some time investigating those. See, see what works for you and, um, and, and try those things out as you're practicing, as you're writing your blog posts and getting feedback from your friends. Uh, see how those things work out for you and where you can templatize things, where you can have standard wording. Uh, to, to, uh, to keep making progress and not get too distracted with the writing part. I think I called out earlier that, you know, every organization or every industry is going to have a different kind of reporting. Um, but one thing, one consistent through line I've seen, at least with OSIT reporting, <clears throat> is a bit like contrary to the way we explain it. So when we talk about reporting, we talk about it like, oh, you know, you're telling a story, you know, you're sort of explaining your journey, talking about what you saw along the way and why it's important. Um, and, and that's that's kind of a traditional maybe book analogy, you know, where you start at the beginning and then tension builds and there's a resolution and it's amazing at the end. Reporting is the exact opposite, actually, um, <laughs> because this, this is going to hurt someone's feelings when it happens the first time. People are not going to finish your reports. I'm sorry. 
Someone had to say it. <laughs> um, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying no one is ever going to finish the report you wrote, but um, that executive summary has got to be a banger, <laughs> at least in the in the OSIT reports I've done. Um, if if they only read one page, this is the page, and I'm going to try to get the most important information as clearly as possible on that one page. Yes. Yes, one one page, one section. Sometimes it's hard to keep it to a page, but the um, yeah, the executive summary is is um, it is a the summary for the executives, and it's also a way to um, it's your opportunity to entice someone to read the rest of the report or to direct their attention to key parts in the rest of the report. Uh, we. Um, we, we our reports have an executive summary followed by a list of all the findings followed by um, what we call the methodology which is the the report as you go part it's kind of the blow by blow of what we did during the test and those first two sections are written for uh, at a higher level for a, a less technical audience and the the methodology is is way more technical uh, so we'll talk about it in the beginning the executive summary here are the here are the kinds of problems that we found here are the systems or practices or policies that contribute to those, those problems existing. Uh, here are some recommendations on how you can fix those things. And, and you know, these are the top three, four, or five things that we found in the test and, and how they all relate to each other, how they, um, how they interact with each other to make it important. And that's where we focus on, on the impact, not just the, not just the, um, the name of the problem or the vulnerable, the, you know, the, the vulnerable software or the particular vulnerability that was there, but but why do you care? Why would somebody who doesn't sit down at the computer because they like sitting down at the computer, but somebody who sits down at the computer to get some business function done, why do they care? That that kind of higher level synthesizing step, this is why you should care about these things. And then then they'll go on. Everyone reads that. And then even the technical people read that. And then they skip down into the other parts. But that gives them a taste of what's coming. The um the stories, it, it's not a story, like you said, Tom. It's not, it's not. Uh, beginning and a middle and an end. Um, there's a bunch of beginnings and middles and ends. There, there's this thread. There's I, I think I think if I follow this thread, there might be something interesting there. And I'm going to talk about that as I go. And then I'm going to get to the end of that thread. Either I found something worth reporting or it was a dead end. Um, in which case, I'm going to leave it in there so you know I did it. But then I'll move on to the next thing. So you have you have beginnings and middles and ends, but you have multiples of them throughout the report. Um, it's not that coherent. It's not a novel. It's not something people read for pleasure. So, um, so, so you're not going to get to that. But you do have little vignettes. You do have little. This area was particularly fruitful. Maybe maybe Facebook for this application for this investigation had most of the information, or maybe it was a, a, a less well known social media site that the reader of your report maybe they never knew about that one. Yes, I would say definitely consider your report more of an anthology series than a novel. Or or I guess worst of, depending on your perspective. <clears throat> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so past the executive summary, in an OSINT report, it's it's a really fine line to walk because you're trying to demonstrate here's what you found here's why it's important, but then not drift over into speculation territory or telling the reader of your report how to do their job. I think one thing that maybe separates an OSINT report from a pen test report is typically the people reading these reports are professional investigators. You know, these, these reports are a supplement 
to the job they're already trying to do, not a, here's this thing we found out about this place you also work at. Um, so it can be really delicate to say, here's what I found, here's why it's important, and then maybe a little bit of, here's how you could leverage this, this information further. And I, it goes back to knowing your audience. Uh, maybe if it's someone you've written a report for before, you know, you can maybe cut to a bit more of the chase. But I would, I would caution people when they're reporting on the OSINT they've collected, try not to drift into that speculation or the, here's what I would do if I was, a, if I was in charge territory. Right. Um, when you start telling people like, oh, you know, here's the IP address and here's what you could do with that. And, you know, well, okay, now you're playing detective. Go to the coffee shop, grab the guy in the green shirt. And then I would load the image into the image enhancing machine and we'd be set. No, it's, here's the IP address. Here's why that's important. Do with it what you will. Yes. That's, that's been the nature of the OSINT reports that I've done. There are some, uh, some similarities in the pen test reports and, and maybe you have, um, there's gotta be something in, in OSINT that's a corollary to this. So one of the red flags that I look for in my own writing, uh, and when I'm doing tech reviews of reports from other testers is the word just anytime I see the word just, uh, I, my ears perk up and I think somebody's made an assumption they shouldn't make. And, and what I mean by that is if you find yourself saying, uh, you know, the systems were, were your, your systems weren't patched. You had some systems that were out of date and they were running vulnerable software. And so a recommendation is, well, if you would just stay up to date on patches, you wouldn't have this problem. Well, everyone knows that, right? Everyone knows that staying patched is an important part of being secure. And when you say just like that, you're, you're minimizing it. You're, you're, it comes across as, hey, person reading this report, maybe you didn't know this, but software changes over time and you should install new versions. That's a little offensive, right? They know that. They probably know that they're running outdated versions. There's probably a reason that they haven't done the updates yet. There's something going on there that you don't know about, or at least assume that there is. So anytime you find yourself saying, oh, there's a really easy solution for this. It's going to be quick. It's going to be easy. You'll be on your feet in a week and everything's going to be fixed. If you find yourself thinking that way, stop and, and realize that you're only seeing part of the picture. Uh, the people you're talking to, like the other investigators, professional investigators, they already know at least some of what you're telling them. Uh, part of the value in your report actually is to be an outside voice that says the same thing the internal people have been saying all along. But now because they're paying a consultant, now they'll take action on it, right? We've all been in that situation where the consultant comes in and says what we've been saying all along. And suddenly now it's important. It's a real thing. And, you know, accept that, help the people who are reading those things. But understand that, that the word just there, that's for me, that's a reminder that I don't know the whole story. And it is true that you should update your systems. And it is true that technically that's usually pretty easy to do, but nobody operates in a purely technical environment. There's politics, there's budgets, there's conflicting priorities. So understand that those things exist and, and temper your recommendations with that. Try to stick to the facts and, and, and avoid the judgments. Do you have things like that in, in OSINT? Or is there a, something like just, is there a, a common mistake people make in OSINT that underestimates how difficult something might be? Yes. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I was taking some notes here. My, my biggest takeaway from this episode is that Brian King said that updating isn't always a big deal. That would, that's why I take away from this last 45 minutes that <laughs> I've got it. I've, I've got evidence. Good. I'm, I'm glad I was clear about that. Thank you. <laughs> um, 
no there are definitely um some of those maybe flag words um going back to the avoiding speculation piece that i hit on earlier was if you find yourself writing words like probably or could you're kind of drifting into the speculation territory or telling this person reading your report how to, to do their job I'm, I'm not saying never use those words i mean that could be part of your explanation on the value of your intelligence but just a after you've written it come back and reread it as somebody who doesn't know everything that you know and maybe how would you take that also i'm glad you hit on sometimes a a report just reinforces already existing knowledge because we see the exact same thing in OSINT. Um, the detectives that are getting our reports probably already know some of the things that we're telling them. So I would, I would urge maybe people that are just getting into OSINT reporting, it's okay if you don't have groundbreaking discoveries. Sometimes the value you're going to add is just reinforcing what the person reading your report either already knew or already suspected like that can add a tremendous amount of value that you're not going to see because you know they're seeing more things than you do so i'd say don't get discouraged if you're writing a report and you don't have that aha moment or that bombshell or that you know you know that big crack in the case so to speak like it's not your job to make those you know those those leaps and bounds and gains you're just giving somebody else the tools they need to make those moves i, I would bet that in in osint reports uh you probably sometimes convey information without realizing it maybe there is a um uh, I talk about screenshots a lot when I talk about reporting and a good screenshot, what makes a good screenshot. But if you're if you're doing OSINT reporting and you're looking at social media profiles and interactions among different people on social media platforms, if you have a good screenshot of a, a message shared between two people or in a group or something, and it's a clear screenshot, maybe maybe there's something in there that you didn't recognize was important that the investigators will, or the, 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 the detectives will. Maybe this person mentions something, maybe there's a word in there that they've seen before that has some meaning that you don't recognize, but they do. Communicating clearly what you're seeing can, can let somebody else see through your eyes things that you missed. Uh, good screenshots can do that. Yes, and maybe to, just to give maybe a more practical or you know, real world example to what I just discussed was, uh, we were running an event. It was a private event at a law enforcement conference. So the the contestants were all LE and the people that had fed us the cases were there on site as well. So they were sort of standing there like while these contestants were going through a regular trace lab CTF. Um, <clears throat> and it was really fascinating because everything that the teams were finding just backed up what he already knew or suspected. So he's like, oh yeah, you know, we knew that this individual was dating this person and that they were a bad person with this gang. And, you know, we knew that, that the missing person, you know, had started using drugs or had fallen in with a bad crowd. So everything we were finding wasn't, you know, necessarily new intelligence, but it backed up the suspicions that the detective already had. And then maybe, you know, could, could hopefully like either help them continue in that direction that, Hey, these are valid leads. Like what I, what I thought is what's actually happening. Um, 
or could just, you know, but maybe they did find that that one friend or that one interaction that the detective didn't know about and they can take that and run with it. So that's kind of a real world example of, you know, you're not always going to, you know, find that break in the case, but the person reading your report might. Well, that goes back to what you were saying earlier about just, just right. Uh, don't worry if somebody else has already covered the topic. Here, here's a case where that wouldn't be, you know, front of your mind at the time, but you are producing information that isn't news to them, but it's still valuable. It's still, it, it's still valuable. It reinforces an existing theory. Maybe, maybe there's, there's some little thing in yours that, oh, that we didn't realize that communication or that relationship was ongoing. We hadn't seen that in a couple of weeks, but it turns out it's still, still, still a thing to worry about or pay attention to. So even if you're duplicating, even in an, in, in a real report, even at that level, it's still worth doing. It's still worth doing clearly and, and, and writing and writing your best. I, I had uh, just a couple of references that, um, that I wanted to, to mention. So, so one was the, I, I, the, the video talk at the hack for show report for Doe, where I show you how to use some of these things in word. If you're interested, uh, look that up on the black Hills info sex site. Also Scott Hanselman, uh, yeah, he used to work for Microsoft. Maybe he still does. Uh, he has some videos on YouTube called how to really use Microsoft word. And they're, they're fairly old, but they're still relevant. So if you're interested in word features that um, can make using word less painful, maybe even a little bit of fun, uh, Scott does a good job of explaining those things. And then if you're looking for um, uh, examples of reports, I know in, in InfoSec, it's really difficult to find sample reports because everything's done under NDA, right? There is a, there's a, a repo on GitHub uh, called Public Pentesting Reports by uh, Julio... C, his last name starts with a C. Uh, and it, there are tons and tons of reports in that repository. So you can read what other people are doing uh, and look at those and decide for yourself, is this a good report? Is this section of the report good? Um, you, you'll find good and bad examples in there. Uh, and that can help you to, um, to, to improve your own writing, see how other people do it, steal, steal what's good and notice the bad things that you also do. Yes, and um, I'll, be, I'll be linking down to all of these resources down in the show notes for anyone that's interested. Maybe one of my final thoughts on the topic, we could of course go on for hours, but we only booked one. Um, right. <laughs> my, my final thought might be, you know, we've spent about the last hour talking about this. It's obviously a large part of what Brian does professionally. It's a large part of an OSIT investigation. If you don't like reporting, you're probably not going to like pen testing. You're probably not going to like, <laughs> you know, being an OSIT investigator. You, you, in fact, you might not even like working in law enforcement. Like there are so many fields that have a reporting component that no one likes to talk about. Um, so if you just don't like reporting, you know, maybe consider that as you're looking at some of these jobs that appear really cool on the surface, but might have it maybe a deeper, more involved communication component. Find some way to like reporting. Find something about it you can enjoy because you're not going to get away from it. Yes, that's probably better advice. <laughs> because <laughs> because I, like, I, I think that if you asked people right now just on the street, hey, do you like writing reports? No, it's probably right. going to be the generic answer. But I, th I think if people are passionate about the subject matter and it's it's a subject that interests them, they can probably get through reporting, you know, or they can make that an, an acceptable part 
of their of their daily life. That's a reasonable goal. I think everybody can get to that, but it's it's hard to get to a point where you actually enjoy it. Um, there are lots of days when I don't enjoy it either. But you can get to not hating it. Maybe make that a your step first step. Stop hating it. Try to be better at it. <laughs> okay, uh, that's my that's one of my 2022 New Year's re- re- resolutions. I'm going to get to a point <laughs> where I don't hate reporting. I'll I'll be I'll be updating our listeners throughout the year on how that's going. Oh, all right. We'll check in yeah. with you. <laughs> Let um, me make a note. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to get this random ping in July. Hey Tom, it's Brian. Oh, hey Brian, what's up, buddy? Hey, you told me to check in with you. How's that going? <laughs> how much do you love reporting? <laughs> um and I, I think maybe the final thing I'll say on the matter is um, it's a quote that I once heard attributed to screenwriting because my entire background is not infosec. It's actually English literature, um, things in that vein. So I was in a screenwriting class once and like day one, the first quote they plaster up on the board was being a screenwriter means having homework every night for the rest of your life. <laughs> and and I kind of like I keep thinking about that whenever I think about report writing. Well, Brian, thanks for taking some time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. I expect you've been reporting as you go. Um, I don't know what your turn time is, but I'll, I'll expect a recap of this conversation in my box. But I guess Friday is probably reasonable. Oh, I, absolutely. You got it. You got it. Word by word transcript. so um no uh, this has been an awesome conversation um it's a topic that i think doesn't get maybe enough upfront play i think people that are in the industry are you know very very into it um i'm glad we got to bring this to the surface hopefully people that are interested in either pen testing or osint understand what an important part report writing and communication plays in those fields Brian, if people wanted to find you online, could they, or is that just impossible? Well, it's your audience is OSINT people, right? So it's going to be possible. I'm not going to give you a challenge. Um, I'm, I'm online um, mostly uh, through through my uh, my work outlets. So, so blackhillsinfosec.com, there's a blog there. I'm One of my resolutions is I'm trying to write more blog posts for the blog there. Also the, the Discord, we have a, a couple of Discord channels at BHIS that you can join from there. And I'm, uh, I'm on those probably more than anywhere else. I, I do have Twitter. I, I, I'm, I'm BB hacking on Twitter, but I haven't been on there for a while. I, I, um, I've been taking a Twitter break and it's been nice. Uh, so mostly, uh, mostly the BHIS blog and uh, the, the Discord there. We're also doing, uh, we have uh, uh, training. I have a training class. I teach uh, how, to, how to pen test web applications. And um, you can find information about that on the BHIS site as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. I look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, I'll see. We'll, we'll check, in with you, check in with you on uh, how much you love reporting because it only gets better. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Uh, thank you. This has been another episode of Breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at tracelabs.org, on Twitter, at tracelabs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs>